big debate here should have been around Dublin Kerry. The dubs were obviously absolutely frightening at the weekend, but I just think the manner in which Kerry won, the aggression they brought to the table, kept them in the first place. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball daily. Welcome along on this Sunday afternoon. So Derry or Kerry to meet Dublin in the final is the question hanging over Crow Park this afternoon. Paddy Andrews with all the build-up from three, throw-in is at four o'clock. We have Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent, John Green, editor of the Sunday Independent Sports section on the paper review. That's after two. We'll hear from Michaela Walsh, that interview uh, during the week. Really um, nice chat with now a two-time Olympian, Michaela Walsh. Gavin Cooney as well on the Oireachtas Committee discussion for want maybe of a slightly better word during the week 53106 the text number we are at off the ball on Twitter Aidan Delaney here in studio good afternoon good afternoon John Duggan joins us hello Joe and Aidan how are we doing very well so here we are fellas John you're going to take us through what's uh, going on in the world where do you want to start well Kerry Derry will be a fascinating tactical battle at four o'clock oh dear that's uh, the meekest of cells tune in at four for a fascinating tactical battle. Well, I really enjoyed yesterday. I was uh, did the show, went to the pub, had a couple of pints of Guinness. Maybe that helped. <laughs> well, it was an accelerant. <laughs> give me, and give me a few shots and a few uh, Guinness, and I'll I get really through enjoyed, this game. I, I, okay. knew, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the slippery conditions. The Rory Began playing as a centre forward. Yeah, <laughs> level. I mean, six times, and to be fair, twelve points apiece on sixty minutes. You can, you, I guess, you can live with that if it's at least competitive. I think in the first round of a championship game, you have less patience for that slow build to the final ten minute crescendo. But when it's a semi final and the stakes are high. I feel you have a bit more patience with it and you'll, you'll go along with this. That natural element of drama is going to be in it. And I suppose yeah. for Monaghan fans, if you had said you're going to be level six times and level on 60 minutes, I think they would have taken that. We had uh, Drew Wiley in yesterday and he was pretty much thinking the same thing. And, you know, I think when you get to 60 minutes and you think, you know, the romance starts to kick in a little bit, you start to think, you know, Monaghan, you know, literally half the county is in this stadium at the minute cheering them on. Yeah. They are, you know, Conor McManus looks like he's going to really start to kick on a bit. He got two really crucial points heading into that 60 minutes and then you just kind of remembered if they were playing literally any other team you would have given them a chance to kick on and then Dublin score that goal late on and you know it looks more flattering than it did but you know Dublin do what Dublin do and unfortunately Monaghan couldn't do what Monaghan do Well the ruthlessness of Desi Farrell was interesting in the first half in that Niles Scully got a black card and then was hauled immediately after coming back on and Paddy Small had a wild shot in the second half he was hauled as well it was the band getting back together. Players that helped. Uh, Kieran Kilkenny, Jack McCaffrey coming off the bench. But there were two key performances for me. Cormac Costello kept Dublin steady in the first half. Scoring six points was excellent. Really in a leadership role because Colin Pascal didn't have the glorious day that he had against Mayo. And then Brian Fenton in the last 10 minutes was as supreme as he's always been. A couple of really important points. Uh, as Dublin swarmed the Monaghan kick out and began to turn over and began to get pay out of a score outscored Monaghan 1-5 to 1 yeah. in the last 15 minutes really much of the game we've included injury time it was a 3 to 4 point win which turned into a 7 point win but it, it is uh, the biggest cliche it's the perfect game for Dublin going into that final because there's things to work on and Desi Farrell was speaking after the game and he says strength and depth has helped Dublin get back to the final probably not having that strength and depth on the bench is uh, ended up uh, biting us and um you know, it's, it's it's something we're trying to manage uh, this year, and you know, it's been Kieran the last two games, with Jack as well, with Tom the Hiff, 
Darren Newcomb, uh, David Hannon, fellas who haven't put a foot wrong through the National League, um, are, are not getting game time either, you know. So, as we, as we keep telling everybody, it's in our setup, it'll, it'll take all of us, not just some of us. We don't know in the next five years where Kerry will get to in terms of potential dominance in the game, but like Limerick in the hurling, Dublin have an ability to move the ball better than any other Gaelic team in their discipline. And that's, I think, the legacy of the Jim Gavin and now the, the Desi Farrell Pack Elroy era. The movement of the ball, it's just metronomic. Yeah. And even in the, in the difficult conditions, that was still, you could see Kilkenny, you know, Conor Callahan, they still have that beautiful way of moving the ball at pace. And Monaghan just didn't have the penetration. No. Such an interesting uh, situation for Desi Farrell now. He is 70 minutes away from two All-Irelands in four years, bookended with success. Suddenly that looks like a very, very respectable era or one in four years and people will uncharitably say, well, you won the first on the fumes of Gavin and it was a strange COVID All-Ireland, so does it even count that much? It's a three quarters of an All-Ireland is what the uncharitable types would say. And suddenly it looks like four years of stagnation at best. That's a lot to be riding on 170 minutes. Well, and that's the unfortunate way we get into narratives about sport yeah. that can be very unfair and it could be a one-point game. Like last year, sitting at the top of the Cusick stand, I remember I took a photo of the, the, the score and the screen. I thought you... I, did you not say to me it was premium or nothing? Um, <laughs> For Crow Park? Yeah. Well, with every day, Joe, in my life, I've become more socialist. <laughs> uh, and that's actually true. Top of the Cusack. Yeah. God. So you got a nosebleed, did you? I did, yeah. Disgusted up there. No, no, I, I'm I, kidding. I, 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 For the I, record, John never said to me premium or nothing. Yeah, uh, no, I've had my premium days in the past, and I, I'll be very much. A, 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 a I hope mine are in the future. But yeah, anyway. well, that, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good quip. But I've also been in the hill. I've been, the, I've been in every, and sometimes like I was behind the goal for the Kerry Galway game last year, and you see just the fascinating when you. Cause I don't really think there's a bad seat in Crow Park. When you sit in every different seat in Croke Park, you just see things at a, such a different angle. The kick yeah. out. I was just fascinated by the kick out last yeah. year of the Galway goalkeeper and the pressure on the kick out. And I was just fascinated with David Clifford's movement. And you just see things at the game. You go on and watch of somebody. So I don't think there's a bad seat there. Do you know, it's funny you say that. As brief aside, I was in at Limerick Galway last week with my dad and I think we were too low. You can be too low for hurling. Hurling, yeah. Yes. I found it very hard. And we were down like one or level, one kind of not quite goal, but in the you know, 21 metre line territory. And uh, yeah, there were, I mean, in a way, it gave you an appreciation for at eye level, the quality of vision you have to be as a player to see through just an array of bodies. But I, I, I suppose for us to follow it, I, I definitely we were chatting afterwards and I think just probably didn't uh, uh, you know, too much straining. You know, you find yourself kind of half straining all the time to get a sense of what's going on. But uh, once you're not too low, I think I agree with you. There's no bad seat. For hurling, it is yeah. I was at one of the finals a few years ago. Uh, Galway, Kilkenny. I, I just it just felt felt faster when it was when it was that low. And how do the managers or the coaches try and make decisions it's, on the it's fly? So funny you say that because uh, I the other thing I said was if I was a manager, there's not a chance I'd be watching the game this low down. You'd be up in the stands. The George Graham position, or you'd have somebody in your ear who is up, up in the stands. And maybe they have that, but I yes. geez, I wouldn't be down at ground level. They never really talk about it if they do. You don't really hear about well, we had. Yeah. Somebody on, on, on there the was the, the whole David Fitzgerald having somebody behind the goal wasn't that a thing for a while I'd say so and like Porrick Joyce always has the very distinguishable white insert in his ear so I mm. presume he's got someone high up 
but uh, geez, I wouldn't be anywhere near the pitch. I always felt like wearing that around sometimes around the street while I'm actually busy. You know, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> on the phone. I suppose the thing that keeps you by the side of the pitch is that you want to get your message out to players. It's true. It's hard to scream at them when you're no, surrounded by others. Yeah, and you feel connected to it and you can kind of cajole mm. and point. And, you feel and, like you're a bit more involved in the game. Yes, I, suppose, on I, the I, I would think so. It's like that emotional um, connect. But I mean, I'm not surprised rugby coaches just yeah. dream of been down pitch level for instance we're, but anyway we're yeah. digressing Kerry Derry yeah we're four o'clock uh, Derry have not been in the final since 1993 uh, when they won their only All-Ireland and what are we going to see today Chrissy McCaig marking David Clifford yeah. how many goals do Derry need because are they going to get 15 to 20 points against Kerry they only scored one six against Galway in the semi-final last year um, they're an evolving team this whole we know whether, we know it's not going to be pretty um, but a bit like Monaghan yesterday what happens if Derry go behind that's the that's the conundrum I yeah. think that they have. Monaghan never actually were in front yet. That's right. Yeah, and Derry will have to show that they've improved in, in the last year and just can't leave it all to Shane McGuigan from a carrier perspective. It just felt like it all came together against Tyrone, but that can be a bit dangerous in itself because what happens if there's another dip? What happens if there's another Mayo performance? Cork rattled them, uh, but it did feel whether the sports scientists are working very closely with yeah. the Dubs and Kerry that they're getting to the pitch at the right time. Did, yeah. And if it is a Dublin Kerry final, it will be an absolute classic. And as you say, there'll be a lot of Jack O'Connor has a quite a good record. I think it's 2-1, beat them in 2004, beat them last year, lost the 2011 final. So there's a Jack O'Connor dubs thing, there's a Kerry dubs thing. But that's what Derry are here to do today to try and upset that. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it. So Paddy Andrews with us at three o'clock for a four o'clock throw and sort of lots of build up from yes. uh, Crow Park. And the Junior All-Ireland Final between New York and Kilkenny is the curtain raiser. Half one throw in there. The ladies footballers of Donegal and Dublin contesting the concluding All-Ireland quarterfinal this afternoon. Two o'clock throw in in Buffet. Mayo, Cork and Kerry already into the last four. Mead lost their All-Ireland title following a four-point defeat to Kerry and Trilly yesterday. This seems to have just kind of gone under the radar. I remember the way we celebrated Mead and the beautiful way that they came through and kind of won out All-Ireland out of nowhere. Vicky Wall and Emma Duggan and the one back-to-back and they just had the championship last night. It's just, it's just not really as significant in the atmosphere as I feel it should be. But mm-hmm. Mayo, Cork, Kerry and one of Dublin and Donegal. It'll be a Kerry-Mayo semi-final. Just Cork to kind of the build on that, I suppose, yeah. we, we were kind of celebrating the team itself, obviously, because of the wonderful achievement. But I think we were also kind of celebrating somebody new kind of bursting forward. And I think looking at the games yesterday, you know, like Armagh and Cork was a brilliant game. I caught a bit of Galway-Mayo. Um, they also had a, a brilliant Connacht final earlier in the year. And it just feels like there's more teams that can challenge in ladies football now. And I suppose that's why the Meath kind of going out doesn't seem like such a big shock anymore because it's not just it's not as if Kerry went out in the men's last night it was a, it was a bit more kind of other teams are stepping up and Kerry could now go on and win this All-Ireland or we might see some of the other teams or, or the likes of the two taking on today Roy McElroy has joined Robert McIntyre at the top of the leaderboard now in the final round of the Scottish Open what a cure seg it's been for McElroy four bogeys but now four birdies and he's made a birdie on 14, the short par three. So Rory's been out of sorts today. He's gone backwards from the way he started the week. Six under par round one, four under par, three under par, was two over par at one stage, but a couple of birdies has got him right back into it. Robert McIntyre is the shinty playing Scott, who has a very good record in Lynx golf, has played well at a couple of open championships, yeah. obviously in his home open, was flying, made an eagle on 10, uh, was six under par for his round, but then made a 
costly bogey on a par 5 hole the 16th he's got one hole to play he's 13 under par alongside McElroy who's got four holes to play playing the 15th at the moment but has got a par 5 to come uh, Tyrrell Hatton and Tom Kim are 11 under par and then David Lingworth Ben Ann Scotty Scheffler Tommy Fleetwood all on 10 under Shane Larry 2 over for his round today through 15 8 under par in a tie for 11th Tom McKibben 4 under Padraig Harrington 3 under so Rory even though he's not playing well in blustery conditions might pull this out yes as you said, McIntyre's on the last hole now. Rory is going to the 15th. He will have a par five. So if he birdies that and doesn't make a mess at the other three holes, then he wins by a shot. And I think he would take that as opposed to McIntyre saying, geez, I get in the close. Like, it's not that windy. Is it? Is it so windy that uh, tricky being in is an advantage? Maybe it is then. Maybe it's like avoid bogey, Rory. So Tricky. Go be a playoff. Yeah. Okay. And this is obviously before Hoylake, isn't it? next week it sure is back to the scene of the crime 2014 uh, lots of pieces in the papers today harking back to that version of uh, Rory but um, he's put it very well this week my god if he'd put it even a tenth as well at LACC he would have won uh, the US Open so these are the vagaries of the putter this is important I just don't feel today having watched quite a lot of him he hasn't been grabbing it but he's hung around yeah. and maybe you just need to hang around a bit more and tennis wise we got the Wimbledon final today it's the one we all predicted a couple of weeks ago Serbia's Novak Djokovic against Spain's Carlos Alcaraz so Djokovic attempting to win his 8th crown at the All England Club while top seed Alcaraz bidding for his first major on grass 2pm the start time if Djokovic wins he'll equal Margaret Quartz total of 24 Grand Slam career titles but he knows it'll be a test Yes I do have more experience playing in many more Grand Slam or Wimbledon finals than him but you know still he's in great shape he's very motivated he's young He's hungry. I'm hungry too, so let's have a feast. Hmm. Pass me by, lads. I don't know about you. Wimbledon's passed me by Touch, this year. Yeah, yeah it has. It so much going on. There's just so much going on, yeah. And I think with the men's, there was the sense as well that... Uh, yeah, I, I caught Andy Murray one Friday night under the roof and it was, it was really enjoyable, really good. But there has been this overall sense that we're counting down to this final. So there was a degree of, ah, I can watch Kerry Dublin when it's on. And uh, well, I guess today's the day to watch it. And like if Alcaraz goes on to have the career people are saying he'll have, then this will be one of those matches that potentially we remember, especially if it's a changing of the guard moment. Alcaraz didn't fire in the semi-final at the French. You would think he's benefited from that experience. Djokovic hasn't been beaten on centre court in 10 years. Mm. I find that hard to believe. So uh, hopefully it delivers. I watched the McEnroe documentary and it was fantastic. So I hear, yeah. And just feels that the, with every oh it's, is it 23 is it 20 is it 9 I, I just I've, I've kind of got it's just becoming a bit statistical for me at the moment now, mm. you know? and I don't want to in any way kind of belittle his achievement because his achievement is incredible Djokovic what he's done to, to equal Marga Court but I don't know tennis has gone to a strange era Marketa van der Zova was the first unseeded winner of the open era yesterday in the women's singles final and um I'm just waiting. I think we're just in that transitional moment. We're waiting for the new stars to come out of tennis and who are they going to be? Yeah. And that's the kind of juncture we're at, I feel, at the moment. Yeah, it does. We're on the, the, the fumes of the big four and the men, yes. certainly. And Serena was such a, you know, a central point. The women's game revolved around her, really, for the last 15, 20 years. And, and so I think there's like the post-Tiger effect golf equivalent in both at the moment. And it's... They're both figuring out what will what is 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 the women's going to be like a wide open thing where we have different winners all the time or will there be a dominant force, and then in the men's I guess Alcaraz is threatening to yes 
be dominant-ish, but we'll never see anything like what we've seen. No, we won't. And we were utterly spoiled. The Nadal Federer 2008 final. Yeah. One of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. Have you ever been? No, never been. Uh, it is something that's on the, the bucket list, all right, because I've just seen everybody with their pims and stuff this week. And like you, it, it, the actual tournament itself has kind of passed me by, but I think a lot of people did actually kind of lock on to the Jabur story yesterday. And there was kind of a feeling that, you know, this is going to be her time and she might be the one to kind of step up and fill that kind of void. We thought Sviantec was going to be that in the women's game for a while and she's kind of slipped back a little bit as well. But everybody was just so looking forward to when are we going to get Alcaraz versus Djokovic? And I think it's, it's kind of fitting that it has come in the final because... Yeah. The French Open semi-final, it did feel like, you know, even if Alcaraz wins there, it's not really, you know, Djokovic's preferred court. Spanish players always do well on hard court on the uh, clay and it's always going to be Wimbledon where we're going to see the best of Alcaraz. And if he can manage to do it today, you know, I think a lot of people will be celebrating in the streets. Uh, we have stage 15 of the Tour de France, Denmark's Jonas Vingago wearing yellow. Two category one climbs into Saint-Gervais-Mont-Blanc. No update on Denise Sullivan yet, but... I get the feeling that she's going to be all right, but it just wasn't the best <laughs> a few days for the Irish no. squad. Does anyone celebrate in the streets when they win a tennis? <laughs> might, they might in, because, you know, it might be kind of Nadal fans might actually yeah. see, you know, their great kind of nemesis being beaten. I think they might uh, start to cheer for Alcaraz a little bit. Fair enough. Not in the streets of Dublin? Not in the streets of Dublin, no, no. Maybe in Barcelona places. Uh, what's our, uh, before we go, because I know it will come up in the paper review, I, I, I can't get too exercised about the sense of controversy about the Colombian game I feel it's a bit unfortunate uh, the Denise O'Sullivan tackle has since emerged all over social media it, it doesn't look like the kind of tackle that would make you hold a game I must say mm-hmm. so maybe it's excessive caution but that's allowed bring on Thursday you know yeah. there's been too much I just want to see the game now and I just want to see the players line up for the anthem in front of that stadium it just does feel that there's a and there's Orla McElroy's written about it today, but you know trying to get difficult to get jerseys and stuff. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to arrive for people's consciousness, but the, the build-up maybe hasn't been as bright as I would have felt it could be. No, probably hasn't. Three, four days out, and not as straightforward. Obviously, the athletic piece. What's that? Two a week ago now? Is it only a week, week ago now? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's the, the issue with that, and then yeah, just a strange atmosphere post Friday and now the Colombians are saying well there was nothing in it and so hope we hold our own against Australia because it, 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 the Irish players have never been in this position before they've never had the Klieg lights so what they're going to face on Thursday mm. uh, in front of 80,000 people this will be a bit of a culture shock and hopefully the, and like the Katie McCabe Denise Sullivan that's why she's so crucial to be there will be able to um, lead in terms of the messaging and that kind of thing Yeah and if it's a good result Thursday I mean then the hype machine and the bandwagon will well, well, everybody be jumping out. catch fire then yeah in a very real way but I'm really looking forward to Kerry Derry I have to say it's an intriguing tactical it is, battle it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to bookend the news round on the Sunday afternoon yeah we'll uh, talk to Paddy Andrews after 3 o'clock we have Dan McDonnell and John Green waiting in the wings Sunday paper review next